Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. It is Wednesday afternoon. I'm Paul John Dykes and looking at the team that has been assembled for this Wednesday bulletin, we've got Patrick McGill, Paddy Sinnott, John Hughes, tremendous back four. I'm playing left back. <laughs> Yogi, I'm going to come straight to you. We've been fined. Big UEFA for fine. Um, and it's been misreported by several mainstream platforms who want to be first rather than get the truth. John, it's frustrating as hell, but so predictable, isn't it? Well, I mean, I, I see that they've uh, uh, changed it, but they didn't even do a cursory check. You know, it just shows you the inbuilt bias that they genuinely believe that we could be fined for Palestinian flags, right? So they genuinely believe that. So someone actually put it up there and said that's what the fine was for, which it was not. That's not what the fine was for, Um but the fact that someone actually believes that and would post it without checking at all, without any thought as to, that can't be true, surely. Uh, which is the very first thing that came to my head, because I've said right from the get-go, there's no chance you can be fined by UEFA for flying a Palestinian flag any more than you could fly another national flag, any more than you could fly a Ukrainian flag. So the notion that there was ever going to be UEFA fines were absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you've been used as cover to some extent by the club but the fact that the BBC reported that this morning and the STV did uh, an article which was bizarre you know Celtic flying for flying Palestinian flags and then the article itself said nothing of the sort that's not what the article said you know classic clickbait <laughs> excuse me and uh, <clears throat> excuse me one second uh, guys it's classic. Just trying to get myself there. Uh, yeah. So effectively, um, you know what they've done is they, they've put a headline up. I mean, I mean the example I gave it was equivalent of a headline of child murderer, and uh, the story is young child eats candy floss at a fun fair. Uh, witness said she absolutely murdered it. You know, what I mean, and that's the equivalent of what that article is. It's total. Nonsense! It's disingenuous. It's deceptive, and deliberately so. Um, but the, the the article by the BBC is an absolute disgrace. The fact that someone put that up without checking it first—absolute mm-hmm. nonsense. So, <clears throat> what we've actually been fined for, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, the PFLP flag. And the PFLP, for those who don't know, is the People's Front for the Liberation of Palestine, or we'd have known them back in the day as a PLO. So. You know, if you're flying that, you're going to get fined. Uh, and someone decided it would be a good idea to fly that. It wasn't a good idea. You, I mean, anyone would have known that before you went in. 
you know, any organisation of that sort, if you put up uh, flags like that, you're going to get done. Um, so, and that's understandable because there are plenty of people, regardless of how you feel about this conflict, there are plenty of people in other countries that would be flying Nazi flags if they could get away with it. So, you know, we, we have to have some sort of balance and that's absolutely fine. But the, the, the pure, uh, the pure uh, deceptiveness of trying to say that we were flying for flying the Palestinian flag is absolutely outrageous. Uh, and it's just it's so typical of the immediate knee-jerk reaction of everything media nowadays. There's no thought that goes into anything. Not for a second did someone think that was a, a bad idea or even to question it. Uh, and as I say, that just displays their own uh, unconscious bias just straight off the bat. The fact that they thought that was that was plausible, and just the desperate need to have a kick at us, uh, just really, really, really disappointing, uh, really irritating. Um, and uh, people showed their support for a worthy cause, uh, and then to try and demonise those people, um, you know, despite one idiot with a flag that was inappropriate, to try and demonise everyone else that wanted to show support, um, you know, is it, really, really uh, disgraceful in my view. No, it is, and and by the way. We understand how the whole online game works. Paddy, you, you write on a daily basis uh, numerous articles and there are certain techniques to try and get the attention of people to read your article. Of course there is. Yeah. You're, in a, you're in an environment where there is a deluge of information every single second of the day now. And um, yes, you can be cute with the way you word your, your titles, Paddy, but you never go to the extent of basically telling a lie to try and you know, draw people in so you can get the clicks. But that's exactly what's happened this morning. It is, and, and you're right. There is there is a, a an element of you have to kind of design headlines to attract people's interest. But what you can do is design the headline to completely mislead the reader. Um, and that's something that's bug, that's been a bugbear in mind for since I've been doing this job for the last three or four years because there's some things that I read in the media that, the headline has got absolutely nothing to do with the content within the article that just that these mainstream um, kind of outlets get away with um, that I would be severely sanctioned for. And I've been saying that for, for, for years since I, since I've, I started writing about Celtic. And I'm, I, I'm not even a qualified journalist. Mate. I've never been to uni. I've never, um, I've never studied to any length of degree on how to be a journalist or anything like that. I'm just a Celtic fan with a laptop that loves writing about Celtic. Any kind of content I find about Celtic, I'll write about it. But the headline's got to match what's within the content. And and if if I pitch a headline or if I send a headline um, and it's got and obviously the content idea and it's got nothing to do with what I'm writing about, I've quite rightly told, no, you can't write that. <laughs> and and that, that's the whole point. And yeah, the headlines are designed to kind of, like you say, grab attention. But what you write within the substance of the article or the substance of the content has got to correlate heavily towards what you're trying to um, insinuate in the headline and, and in this instance here the media, the mainstream media have got it completely, completely wrong again it's unbelievable It is, there's a great quote, it's Denzel Washington, no bad actor in his day talking about um, the importance of getting it right, not just getting it first and of course through the, the Axiom rank, Axiom ranks, uh, Parry, first and foremost it is about fan opinion, uh, we've obviously had aspiring journalists coming through the ranks who have gone on to do brilliant, incredible things. But what we try to do, even though this is an alternative platform, is we try to be as balanced as possible. We certainly wouldn't be telling lies to you know drag people in. Wow. The tagline today, for example, what are our Euro aspirations? Will Green Brigade Rift be resolved? These are a couple of the questions that a lot of Celtic fans are talking about online. Uh, in light of today's AGM, we're keeping a wee eye on some live updates um, on the socials and things like that, uh, Patrick. But, you know, th there's so many questions at the moment, big, big topics. And on the one hand, you don't want it to, uh, you know, remove the focus away from the fact that we've got a fantastic coach uh, developing a right good batch of players and we're trying to develop everything on the park. And, and some of the performances this season have been brilliant to watch. But there are issues. There are issues. We're not like a spoiled bunch here, Patrick, who are looking for issues where there are none. There are big issues, you know. And some of the things that um, certainly I, I agree with and I've seen on the um and I've seen online are things like the the rift with the Green Brigade, you know, the the lack of diversity of thought and ideas in the Celtic boardroom. You know, I've mentioned a couple of guys who have been in there for a collective 40 years 
service on a Celtic board. I mean, at what point does that not become an echo chamber? You know, an old pals act. Let's get a bit of freshness in there. Um, big, big issues about European aspirations, recruitment strategy, the lack of development of youth players for Celtic. Massive big issues, Patrick. But yeah, let's not forget that we do have a, a very good and capable team on the park. Um, it's not about us just looking for things to moan about. Patrick, this is the best time to bring up these issues when you're successful. Yeah, exactly. You need to fix this when the sun's shining. Um, you know, we're, we're off the back of a treble. We've got a healthy sort of financial status. Um, well, a few points clear in the league. We're in the Champions League. We've pocketed that money. Sell, uh, sell out our season tickets every year. So we're in a good position. But it, it doesn't mean we sort of sit and just enjoy and lie back and think, oh, everything's brilliant. We do need to resolve these issues. You know, at the moment, as you say, as the tagline says, we've got a, a, a very loud and vocal part of the support who create a lot of the atmosphere on the ground banned, and that section's mm -hmm. lying empty. And I think, if we're all being honest, that section lying empty is the problem a lot of people have at the minute. Um, I think to get people into that section and to create an atmosphere and to have the stadium sold out, especially for big games like Feyenoord and the Derby in a month's time, I think that's a big issue for a lot of people. Um, how that gets resolved, I'm not sure. Hopefully there is a quick uh, resolution. I know they were planning a day of action uh, yeah. this Saturday against Motherwell. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully that won't go ahead. Hopefully there is a resolution, but it'll be interesting to see if it does go ahead what that will look like. But um, I like to think the majority of people who are part of the Green Brigade will be let back in because I think a majority of people have probably done nothing wrong. I mean, when you look at the charges, it sounds like it's individuals or maybe a small group of individuals. Um, and, you know, to, to address the other point in the tagline, we did have a sort of mixed bag of recruitment during the summer. As we discussed last week on this podcast, uh, last Wednesday, you know, a lot of the players are coming good now. Halma, Yang, Holm. Yeah. There's a mm -hmm. lot of good signings, a lot of questions still, especially about the size of the squad. But as you say, it's it's important to put these questions to a board. You know, I think the two people who have 40 years plus experience, you know, these people, it needs to be questioned what they're, what needs to be questioned what they're actually adding to this boardroom and to this club because it's, it's not clear. And there's a lot of things that aren't clear, especially our Euro aspirations, especially our goals, one-year, three-year, five-year goals. Yeah. And uh, as you say, it's good to ask these questions when, when the team's doing well. It definitely is. I mean, I've, I've mentioned a few times in the past, John, about a particular comment that was made by Ian Bangir uh, two years ago, it was, at the AGM. Uh, this is it verbatim. So if we talk about Europe, said the then chairman, it's a much different environment to what it was 20 years ago. We all know that. You know that. You go into the Champions League and you get absolutely pasted by the likes of Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona. Celtic Football Club is not the Qatar government. Bizarre statement. There's a whole set of different players out there with completely different with completely different pockets. He's talking about the fact that we can't compete in the same kind of financial level. Yeah. yeah. And and this for me, right, in, in many, many ways, right, we get it. This is the thing, John. We understand where we are in the food chain. We understand the, the drawbacks of playing your football. Um, in Scotland. It's as simple as that. You know, we've been left behind since the modernisation of football. We were always that wee bit further behind. You know, back in the 60s, you know, there's a reason Celtic players went to England, you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, always due to the fact that they wanted to do well in Europe because Celtic were doing well in Europe, yet we lost big name players yeah. to English clubs. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons, John, was the money at that time. You know, yeah. David Hay talks about it, Louis McCarry. I think Dalgleish was a slightly different um, example. A lot of that was down to ambition. Um, but yeah, it's always existed, but never has the disparity been bigger than it is now, and we get all that. But I think the, what annoyed me about that quote, John, was the fact that it was almost like, we're throwing the towel, there's no point. There's no point because we can't compete. That's what really annoyed me about it. Well, I mean, we, we spoke about this the other week, and I had a fairly extensive rant on it, but let me just go back to your original points there. In terms of the um, Green Brigade the boards are looking for a like unbended knee apology, which they mm -hmm. won't get. Um, and in terms of you know collective punishment, well, we've been hearing a lot about that recently, haven't we? Uh, so you know, again, the board have decided to to punish everyone in that section rather than have evidence against anyone who actually did anything wrong. Uh, 
Um, and that seems to be fairly uh, uh, severe, uh, especially given the, the fact that you're now saying to these people, uh, you know, if you've got a problem with the money, we'll refund the tickets to you. Now, people wait for years for a season ticket, years. And the last thing any of those guys are going to do is give up their season tickets, regardless of what's happening. So it doesn't matter what the club are saying. Effectively, at the moment, you're stealing the money off them because you know fine well they'll not ask for a refund. So, that, you know, that is bang out of order. Bang out of order, regardless. So either kick out the guys that have done something uh, or tell them all that they all have to go. But you can't keep taking their money uh, and basically saying, well, offer you a refund knowing full well nobody is ever going to ask for one. So, that again, that's just deceptive. Uh, and very, very poor show. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of the same things, as what, what I mean, I'm, I saw some clips before I come in of um, Peter Lawwell starting to say the same sort of thing uh, again. Or, you know, we just, uh, we, we did well at home uh, against Atletico and Feyenoord. We just need to be more consistent. Is that what we need, Peter? That's you know, you know, yeah, yeah, but you know it would be handy. Maintaining that consistency, I don't know, a better quality of player? <laughs> just a wild guess. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't mean to be, I know this is a radical thought, but a better quality of paper, player, sorry, might actually help. Um, John, that's so, the sort of talk will get you banned after this podcast, mate. Oh, absolutely, right? absolutely. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just mental stuff. It's just way out there thinking, you know. Um, so, you know, sky blue thinking, as they say, but uh, no, it is... It's insane things to say like that, and it's just... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You see, I, I don't like the AGM because it's just all, all you get is corporate platitudes. Yep. You get platitudes to put you down, mm-hmm. you get platitudes in answer to legit questions, or they just duck the question, or as previously, they just lie. So, uh, effectively, you know, I, I don't. You learn nothing from the AGM apart from the fact you learn the names of all the board members who have been there for a thousand years and appear to be as immovable uh, as, you know, I don't know, whatever immovable object uh, you care to think of, but they're they're certainly not going anywhere. Um, And if you've ever been in a boardroom or in a corporate situation like that, the, the sort of of you know, that this similar sort of attitude, uh, that lackadaisical attitude, and that'll do, and mm. that sort of creep. Because you don't have, you've been doing it for so long, you've got no, you've got no new ways of thinking, you've got no energy for it, you know, you're just there ticking boxes, picking up your cheque, and, you know, there's a reason why boards are meant to be revamped, there's a reason why non-executive directors are meant to be replaced every two years, there is a reason why corporate governance rules exist and do not include bringing your former CEO back as chairman, right? So there's a reason why you don't want that attitude setting in, which it now appears is setting in again, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we, we had a minute or two of thinking, well, we might be, we might be going down a different path here, we might be doing something constructive. We might be doing something exciting. You know, maybe there's new ideas, new thinking. No, no, no. Just, uh, just get. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to get Peter back in. Peter, the yeah. guy that just left five minutes ago. I will get him back in. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, how did he get on? I uh, loads of trophies. How did he get on in Europe? Mm-hmm. Probably best not to think about that. Uh, what's uh, what attitude is Peter going to bring back? 
Uh, is it going to be the same attitude that he had before, or is it going to be an entirely new attitude? Peter took a couple of months off. Now he's back with a new set of policies, a completely different attitude to how the club should be run. Is that what's happening? No, I don't think so. So basically, look, uh, this is just all you're going to hear today is we've done really well. We won our treble. Oh, Europe's dead difficult. Sure it is. Now, basically, you're not going to make the mistake of saying what Bankier said, but you you will be able to interpret it in exactly the same way. You won't hear a single thing about goals. You won't hear a single thing about accountability. You won't hear a single thing about who's responsible. You won't hear a single thing about what targets have been set. You won't hear a single thing about how we're going to improve anything if those targets are not met. You'll not hear any of that. So it's just platitudes to keep us all quiet and get back in your box. Yeah, you know, the point you made there about uh, a CEO returning as chairman, John, has been raised. It's been raised. I was looking on the live stream this morning and um, it was batted away with some kind of comment around it's good to have that level of experience as uh, as a chair. So, yeah, it has been raised. Um, another thing I wanted to point out again uh, when we were talking about the misinformation and the misreporting this morning, fair play to Anthony Joseph for coming out and clarifying um, what Celtic were actually fined for because uh, he is a journalist doing his job and he actually did it well again because he, he is a, an extremely good uh, journalist and a, a good spud as well. So, Anthony Joseph, fair play to you. Um, the, the point of the Green Brigade has been raised and uh, there's a few points coming in before I come to you, Paddy, uh, in relation to the Green Brigade. This is an interesting one from Pablo67. The atmosphere is eerie without the Green Brigade ridiculizer. It's a sad indictment on the rest of the crowd that we are saying we are unable to generate an atmosphere without them. Did we not have an atmosphere before the Green Brigade? And at that point, I see that point coming up quite a bit, Paddy. I think that there's a period of almost acclimatisation. If you remove such a vocal element of the support, um, maybe everybody else in the stadium has become quite complacent because over to you guys, you do that job, we'll leave it, leave it to you to get it started. And it would maybe take time for the, the atmosphere to level out as it had been before. I do remember uh, prior to the Jungle Boys, as it was way back, that the atmosphere did need an injection uh, of sound and colour. And that's exactly why the Jungle Boys uh, emerged and from the Jungle Boys, the Green Brigade emerged. And uh, so I get all that. But the Green Brigade... Um, Really, you know, you know when they're not in the stadium, Paddy. So I don't think it's a case of, oh, we can't make an atmosphere. We can in time and things will level out. Um, things might be done differently. The, the guys within the Green Brigade might be regretting the fact that they've advised the club that they're part of that CSC as far as the ticket office goes. Uh, because if they weren't part of that um, criteria, they would still have their tickets and they could still go about their business on match day. No, exactly. And I think, I mean, I, I was at the game um the two each game against Atletico Madrid and the I was just above the Green Brigade and the atmosphere there was just tremendous. And to be fair, the atmosphere throughout the whole stadium was was amazing as well. Um sweet expect after Champions League night. I was also I used to go to Parkhead when it was the old jungle as well every week and it was the atmosphere created then was excellent. But like you say, it's, when you're used to one set of fans projecting that atmosphere, you, you kinda get used to it and you people probably forget that they need to actually make their own atmosphere as well. So maybe that's what's going on right now with the Green Brigade and it might it might come back. I don't know. Um, but you can definitely feel within the stadium. Yeah, what was the first game they were banned for, Paul John? Was it the first game at Celtic Park? I remember sitting watching that. I Linfield? Was it not Linfield? No, sorry, this season. This season. Oh, this season, sorry. Um, was it a home against, was it the Aberdeen game? It might have been the Aberdeen game. Yeah. I think it was a 6-0. And you could even hear the, the 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 coaches shouting for the side and the players shouting at each other, and that's completely bizarre. When you think the rest of the stadium was sold out, and it was only that corner that was that was uh, that was missing. So, I uh, they definitely do generate a good atmosphere. It, it's great when they're there, but I can't see when this is going to get resolved because both parties are, are digging their heels in, aren't they? They're having this online spat on Twitter. And it doesn't seem anybody's, anybody's going to back down, so I doubt we're going to see them there for Saturday. Um, I would imagine they'll be back for the Glasgow Derby at the end of, the, end of December, but will they be back before then? I don't know. I don't know. Just a, a wee mention to Tam Mac. I am admin on the that. show <laughs> and every day on the show, and nothing has been cut. Uh, if you've made a comment, probably even with the 
FFS, if you've made any kind of comment that uh, YouTube Stand doesn't like, they will, exactly, aye, they'll, they'll cut it. It's nothing to do with us or any of our admins. So uh, sorry about that, mate. Uh, whatever you want to put across, give us a shout and I'll look out for your, your avatar. And if uh, there's no profanities, then obviously I'll bring it up. Uh, uh, can, I, can I just, uh, sorry, Paul John, just uh, following on from what Paddy was saying, uh, but uh, when they might be back, uh, I'm not confident in the slightest that they'll be back. I, I think the you know the chances are I think very heavily weighted in favour of the fact they're toast, uh, and anyone that wants to keep uh, their season ticket, they are probably going to have to disavow themselves from that group because mm-hmm. essentially, what, what did the club gain? So the, the the club have taken this opportunity. They've had ages uh, to think about it. Uh, they've taken the opportunity now to put them on the spot. They're not just going to back out of it after having done this. Right, so it was a big deal to do this. They've done it, uh, and I, I don't think they back out of it. I think they want rid of them, uh, and they're going to get rid of them uh, because the club have all the power, no matter what the Green Brigade do. And I don't know what day of action entails, but it's not going to make the slightest bit of difference to Peter Lowell or Mike uh, Nicholson. Uh, you know, so, so uh, John, I was thinking. I was thinking back about. Um, I don't know. It must have been about a year ago. Um, when a lot of the fan groups and uh, the Green Brigade and and, uh, various affiliations and associations got together and signed a joint statement to the club. Uh, Was it the Brendan Higgins affair, wasn't it, Patrick, where they were looking to bring in a new head of security? And uh, they backtracked on it. And I think that it was... um, Almost like you know, this is this is a unified voice. Um, a lot of the groups will disagree on a day to day basis about all things Celtic, but they came together and a difference was made. This situation, though, John, seems a wee bit more fractured than that because even within our comment section, possibly even within our contributors, there are opposing views. Not everybody's backing what the Green Brigade do, and I, I can see it in the comments coming through. So I think you're right, John. It's going to be one of these situations that's not as cut and dry as let's resolve it, get them back in. Well, you know, as I say, they've already um, they've already gone too far down the road. So why why would they have done all this and, and taken all the flack and got all the hassle? And people are already, <clears throat> and as far as the, the the mentality goes, people are already accepting the fact that they might not see them again. That there'll have to be another group. Uh, you know, if it was down to the the club, I think what they'd replace them with is effectively the most vanilla choir in the world with pre-approved songs, pre-approved banners, um, not... not so, songs supporting the board, like yes, the old uh, not, Celtic not, View Letters page. Not, not, an ultra, <laughs> not an ultras group, you know. But you'd have, you'd have fun competitions between the Michael Nicholson section <laughs> and the Peter Lowell section. Oh, it would be wild. Uh, so, in the corner, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so it would be, uh, you know, again, but I think that's really what they're going to angle for. I think they're going to angle for, yes, you can have a standing section, you can have a singing section, we'll encourage all of that, but you're not bringing any more banners in. We're not doing any more TIFOs unless they're already dis- uh, pre-approved. Uh, and they're going to just lay down the lot of the point where the, the, the Green Brigade guys that want to stay um, will not, they'll, they'll get, they'll move their tickets elsewhere or they'll just leave. Um, so, you know, as I say, it's, it's, and, you know, as you point out, if you want to see the difference in attitude to the Green Brigade, you just need to move from Twitter to Facebook. And Facebook's like older people and they hate them pretty much by and large. And you're on Twitter and they've got quite a lot of support. Um, so it's definitely, there's an age issue as well. Uh, but the problem is with the age issue, and this is the one thing, the people that hate them are not the people who are going to be getting up and singing. Do you know what I mean? From that point of view, in terms of you're talking about generating an atmosphere. So let's say I took against the Green Brigade. I'm going to get a game. I am not going to stand up and start a song in front of, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people, unless I'm absolutely plastered. Right? <laughs> there is basically, there's no way to get me home. You know, so if I start singing, the, the, the issue is going to be for the staff is how they're going to get me out of my seat. Because uh, they'll have to roll me out. Uh, which, uh, to be fair, I'm the right shape for that. But anyway, they'll have to roll me out. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've, the older people won't be standing up singing. It is down to the younger people to generate the atmosphere. And again, you know, people people are quite shy, really, and those big, you know, when you're in a big yeah. crowd like that, unless you're in a group, 
to stand up on your own and start right. a song. It's the pack mentality, yeah. John. Exactly. Yeah. So, Has anybody uh, ever started a song at a football ground? Tell us in the comment section. I've often <laughs> wondered about the psychology behind anyone it. Anyone sober? <laughs> anyone sober? <laughs> I mean, the bottle that that requires. If I stood up, my yeah. Celtic blanket, the Celtic tartan blanket would fall off my knees, John. That's the kind of age I'm at. Um, <laughs> doing the huddles, probably the extent of my... Um, you know, involvement in that kind of thing. I love it. I think it's a great spectacle. I've said it before. Uh, when it comes to even pyro, I think we need to do it safely because it's a great spectacle. That's my view on it. Loads of people are going to disagree. And by the way, I called him uh, Brendan Higgins. His name's Bernard, Bernard. Higgins. Apologies. Yeah. Apologies, Bernie, if you're tuning in. Uh, Paul, uh, Bul Bulge? Bulge? What am I thinking about? Plunge, McNugget. <laughs> Yogi is correct. Is it not time to do something about these people? I think we're talking about the board um, here and you know it's not just a cultural thing of the old sack the board mentality Patrick I know the good that this Celtic board have done you know we, we're obviously focusing on things they need to do different and better more creatively but obviously they've got this club on a really good firm financial standing but sometimes when you're um, barfing at about 70 million quid in the bank and you're getting pumped 6 nothing in Europe it doesn't really balance does it we're not expecting to win the Champions League we know that's beyond for a number of reasons, beyond a club like Celtic now, um, you know, as we're playing in, in the Scottish League, which is one of the biggest issues. However, you've got to do better than that. And I think that's what it comes down to. And sometimes it's the introduction of new ideas and, and, and a change in culture. Um, I'm not saying Don McKay was the man and Don McKay was going to make everything better, but it, he did come in with new ideas and he lasted 72 days, Patrick. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't think we've ever really had a, a definitive answer on what went on there. You know, we're two years and two months on from his resignation, I think, and you know, people can come to their own conclusions. I, I, I read a few rumours that he was out of his depth, but I suppose there's been no official line from Don McKay or the club. Um, and you know, the, there are questions over. You know, what are we actually doing with this money? We get seventy-two million in the bank, and then four days later, we sold Jota to a Saudi club. So we, we are, I can only assume we're swimming in money. Uh, I know we've got a, a Barrafield redevelopment to pay for, but I don't think that's going to take 90 million quid. Um, although I've just seen a tweet there saying that they, they've found a way to spend the money. Um, they're raising the salaries of the board and senior executives. Um, so they've finally found a way to spend the 70 million, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Uh, uh, Peter says that the guys are very good and they deserve it and it's benchmarked at the average. Um, I don't know what average, I don't know what average they're taking. Average from. what it's average in the city of London for a Fortune five hundred, is it? I, geez, <laughs> oh, the average. Oh my god, Bryce. Sorry, Patrick. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, no. Uh, I, I, I'm no expert on FTSE 500 companies, but, you know, I don't know how many CEOs of... £120 million turnover companies are earning as much as Peter Lawwell did and Michael Nicholson are. Um, I hope we do get answers on the, the European ambitions because we, we we don't show much ambition. I think we can all agree here, we've discussed it already today, that you know the ambition seems to be to qualify and do no more and use that money to dominate Scottish football, which seems crazy. And I've said the last few weeks, you know, I think you get 180 grand for winning the League Cup but you get something like 900 grand for getting a draw in the Champions League. And we're, we always seem to be two or three players away. And you can't tell me we can't compete against teams like uh, Lazio and Feyenoord because I think they're, it's probably higher, but I don't think their turnover is a million miles away from where we are. And uh, 
to to openly admit that we have no ambition against these teams and to then reward yourself with a higher salary is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it's good to get a bit of positivity in the comments. Danielle, go on, John. I said before we came on, John, I'm going to ask you about the fines and then Paddy, Patrick and myself will come in on 58 minutes to talk about all other matters concerning Celtic. <laughs> but you you pulled yourself back. You pulled yourself back. Man, you think I pulled myself back with nobody else in the comments? <laughs> think I pulled myself back. I've to say, John, you've done amazing. That's, that's 31 minutes you've waiting. You've no swore. I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. I've, I've been told to clam it and let Patrick and Paddy have a go. There yeah. I go. Yeah. <laughs> I, shall, I shall do my best. And whilst we've got two Patricks on the show, just to clarify, when I'm asking uh, Patrick a question, it's for Patrick McGilp and Paddy is Paddy sitting at bottom left. Joe Hamilton, we need the ultras back at Paradise, says Joe. Um, I think that something definitely needs to be done. I don't know what a day of action entails, Paddy. Um, what is a day of action? Maybe some kind of protest outside the park? Is that what we're looking at? I'm guessing so. I mean, like, I, 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 like probably the rest, I've seen bits and bobs on Twitter. Um, there was a day, a day of action planned. I'm guessing it must be something between the boys and the Green Brigade and, or, or whatever. Maybe they're going to stand with banners in the Celtic way or... I, to be honest with you, I have absolutely no idea what the day of action will entail. Um, I just know it's it's a, a distraction we probably don't need at this period of, this, of this, the, the season. We've got like 11 games coming up in six weeks, including two vital Champions League um, games where we're hoping to get the Europa League. Um, I just think it's, this is a a distraction that's just no... That, that Brendan Rodgers certainly doesn't need. The players don't need it. They need all the back they can get for the stand. Um, but as far as the day of action goes, mate, I, I'm absolutely clueless about what could happen. Um, they're going to stage a mass walkout when they're not even there. Other fans are going to walk out in, in, in a form of kind of protest or support. Who knows? I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, when it was announced in that statement, you thought, all right, it'll all get sorted out in the international break, but it wasn't. A yeah. um, few things, few interesting things happened during the international break. Yeah, Matt O'Reilly gets his Denmark debut for the the, uh, the full team. He made a start against uh, the north of Ireland in a 2 nothing defeat, I think it was, Patrick. Um, so brilliant to see Matt O'Reilly continuing his ascendancy. Uh-huh. This journey that he's on, you know, every single challenge thrown at his feet, he manages to control it and uh, pass it with ease. Fantastic to see him. He looked like the happiest man in international football in the pre-match team group. Um, and what a, for me, what an absolute pre-match, shame. Pre-match, Paul Joe. What did I say? They, they, they get pumped 2-0 by the, the Northern Ireland side. <laughs> Very much, you, you know, you were right, you're correct what you said. He, he looked like the happiest man alive pre-match. Don't think he looked that way post-match. No, he didn't. He still looked great, though. He absolutely still looked great. You know, on that park, wearing his Denmark kit with his socks <laughs> under. Oh, he's just, he's a specimen. But Patrick, um, when you look at how much he's improved, not just since he came to Celtic, but under Brendan Rodgers this season, um, he's been a, he's, he's been our best player in my view and in my, my opinion as well. Um, and I think that, yeah, you're going to get the vulture circling. We've already had a bid from Leeds United, 10 million quid in the summer. This is a player I would much rather, and I put this out there, I'd much rather we built our team around them. This is the type of player that you're thinking to yourself, no, you know what, let's show a bit of ambition here and let's build a team around uh, Matt O'Reilly. Um, how how far can he take it? Because he's shown that whatever challenge is thrown at him, Patrick, he's able to deal with it. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, he's been a revelation this season. You know, I thought, I thought he was a brilliant player up until this season, you know, the first 18 months that he had. You know, there have been patches where he, he sort of he, he didn't score for a period, or he sort of went off the boil a wee bit. But by and large, he had been a certainly a pivotal player, and at large uh, for large spells of his first eighteen months, he'd been he'd been an exceptional player. This season, he's been different class. Um, I think he's probably leading the leading the way for player of the season. Um, Palmer might be uh, close in second, but I think it's, it's still O'Reilly's to lose and. I would actually quite like to see us build a team around him because as much as it maybe feels inevitable that he would command a high speed in the summer, it doesn't mean we have to sell him. We have money in the bank. We have a guy here who's brilliant in the middle of the park who's happy at Celtic. He can't put into words how happy he is. He's a young player. And if we win the league, we're going to get another 50-odd million from Champions League money. So there's no reason that we need to sell him. 
unless a two hundred million pound bid comes in. Um because anything under a hundred million isn't gonna well, anything under fifty million probably isn't gonna change your change your financial financial situation. So I'd quite like to see us with a bit of ambition build a team around O'Reilly because he's shown in Europe they can do it. As much as he he might not be the fastest midfielder in the world, but he's uh, set up Kyogo for two goals in the opening five minutes of two games and you know, last season I thought he'd done incredibly well uh, pressing the ball up there with Kyogo and Yakimakis uh, when we were out of possession. So I would like to see him with a bit of ambition because as much as he's got the world at his feet and you know we just sort of assume that he's going to be the one to be sold and he would command a high fee. We've got the money, we don't need the fee. You know, what we need is to have a few core players of real quality who have Champions League experience who can go again and again and get that consistency that Peter Lawwell allegedly wants. We need a core group of these quality players, guys like McGregor and Kyogo and Carter Vickers, who seem to be happy at Celtic and have played a few Champions League games. In terms of his potential, though, isn't he? Uh, uh, you know, Matt O'Reilly's ceiling is basically as high and beautiful as the Sistine Chapel. You know, <laughs> his ceiling, I think, far exceeds anyone else uh, yeah. currently there. Um, and the only reason I think he won't move, <clears throat> because I'm not sure he's at the level yet where like a seriously big club's going to come in for him, and I think that's what he wants. Uh, and I think he will stay with us another year, uh, bed in at the Champions League again, hopefully get a better run at it, as we hope every year. But, you know, um, and he could then be on his way to a, a really, really top side, because I think, as I say, his ceiling is super high, um, and uh, you know, as you say, Paul John, he's taken on all all the challenges. Um, he has progressed from not playing for his you know second division or third division team. Uh, was it Milton Keynes or whatever he was at the time? Yeah, thank you. Uh, re- refusing to play for them uh, because he backed himself and thought he could get a better club and all this sort of stuff. So, well, what I, you know, he, he's been on a journey, but it's. Um, He's been hitting the mark all every step of the way, uh, and as Patrick said, you know, whenever he's 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 yeah, had a, a backward step, he's come back stronger. So, you know, a, a core core player for us, incredibly important. My, yeah, my, my problem, sorry, Paul John, my problem is like I agree with you guys have said that. I agree hundred percent. I think we should build a team around Matt O'Reilly. He is clearly got massive, massive potential. He's a brilliant footballer. He's got amazing vision, X, Y and Z. We've all gave him all the platitudes. But the problem we've got is, if, if we don't get our act together in Europe, is Matt really going to want to stay at Celtic and get him pumped 6-0 every year? Is he going to want to handle that every every single... No, he's not going Champions to. League? That, that's what I mean. So un, unless, unless the Celtic board match his ambition, which is to... Mm-hmm. Obviously, be one of the best players, not just at Celtic, but one of the best players in Europe. He's not going to sit around and go, right, okay, we've got, let's say, Liverpool into Milan and bloody Real Madrid next season. We're thinking, what's it, there's a guy by our cricket score. His stock will go down every time we get beat five and six now. So um, that that is my worry. And and I think if, if, a, if a Celtic's model is always obviously buy young uh, and sell to a kind of Midland club, I think they've only sold two players in the last what, 10 years to what you could say is a, a reasonably big name, which is Kenton to Arsenal and Moussa Dembele to uh, Leon. But we don't do that. We don't do that very often. It's always a middle of the table, Midland English Premier League club that players go to, like Virgil van Dijk, uh, like uh, Victor Wanyama, um, and who's the other one? Uh, the other South Korean boy. Uh, who went to Keyson Young? It was Keyson yeah. Young. Yeah. So we don't sell players to the, the kind of top echelons of European football, even English football. So that's just not going to happen. He's not going to get that big move, got direct for Celtic because it's not very often it happens. It will be a middle of the table club and it will be for probably a record fee. But um, unless Celtic match his ambitions of what he, where he sees himself, he could be gone sooner than we want. You know, I think it's a great point, Paddy. I do, because um, what you've got here is we're able to say to him, you've got international aspirations to play for Denmark. Look, you can do that whilst you're at Celtic. So yeah. we've proved that you can do that. You've got aspirations to play in the Champions League. You can do it at Celtic. Um, and then the next bit, Paddy, is about you're talking about. Yeah. I want to do well in Europe. 
and that's yeah. the bit that we can't quite get there. And you've got Brendan Rodgers, who I think would work wonders with a player. I said at the beginning of the season, there was three guys I was really looking forward to seeing under Brendan, and Matt O'Reilly was one of them. The other two, for various reasons, mainly injury, it's, it's not worked out yet. Abada and Hatate. I wanted to see Brennan Rodgers working with the three guys <coughs> and what they could do and where they could take their, their Celtic careers. And we know that if they take them to that level, then you get the, that issue that you're talking about, Paddy, where somebody else comes in and, and we just can't say no. But yeah, I think the one the one niggling worry I've got is that bit where Matt's ambition then goes to, I want to do well in Europe. I don't yeah. want to just play in Europe. I don't want to just play in the Champions League. I want to do well. Because he's had, in two seasons, the Champions League football, he's had the player of the match on two occasions. Now, I know that's not great shakes to some people, but he's shown that he can mix it at that level. And now what he want to do is he want to take it to the next stage, won't he? Aye, but in two seasons, he's also been battered 5-1 with Real Madrid, 6-0. Yeah. With, do you know what I mean? So there's only so much you can take. Next season will be his third season. He'll probably want an R crack at it to see how well he can do. And if we keep getting hit with these kind of results, he'll be off. But rather depressingly, I think it was Alison Mo- uh, Alison? Alan Morrison even, sorry, Alan, uh, who, who wrote an article um, which effectively uh, the start was we're as likely to get absolutely pumped in Europe, and I mean like, well, you know, a 5 one 6 now, as we are to get a point historically speaking. And so, you yes. know, if you go back over, I think you went back over the last couple of decades, I mean, that, that's an absolute disgrace. Aye. Absolute it disgrace. Is. It, you know. it is. You know, and, and it's a sad indictment of where we are in Europe. And um, just a few points coming through. I'm looking at some of the uh, social media updates. Brennan Rogers states that no player has been pushed onto me. Uh, we have a structure and set up and we are planning for longer term in our signing strategy. Um, uh, Joe McHugh asked Peter Lowell about the five-way agreement um, and does he stand by the previous AGM statements that he has never uh, read it? You always, you're always going to get asked that question because, you know, to say, oh, I've never seen Joe's it. Joe's the man to do it, isn't he? <laughs> Joe's the man to do it. Joe yes. will do that. Um, how did we arrive at a point in Mark Lowell? And uh, Michael Nicholson states that Ange said that he had worked with him at City uh, and wanted him. Brennan Rogers came back because uh, the recruitment side had improved. I, I, I find it really interesting that, you know, at the time that he left, and we're talking about Malumbo and McGinn and all that kind of stuff, it was never confirmed at the time. These things never are. But now that uh, Brennan Rogers is talking about it, he's confirming, I, I wasn't happy with getting presented with Marvin Comper and bloody Marvin Schved and all these guys. Um, Brendan also says, I make the final decision on whether we sign a player. Um, brilliant. This is kind of stuff that you want to be asking uh, Brennan Rogers and the Celtic board at the AGM, and I'll try and keep you updated because it is happening as we speak as well. John, I'm going to let you run for a, a few minutes. With, sorry, on yeah, you go, John. Okay. Well, let, let, let me, if you are you nipping off for a minute? Just for a second, yes. Okay, well, right, okay. Well, I'll, you, you nip off and I'll carry on with the boys then. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I, I knew you'd be able to, John. Uh, I'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the the point I was going to make uh, about uh, how we ended up with Mark Lowell was obviously just the fact that it's coincidence um, because he was independently, very clearly, the best man for the job uh, and there's no way that his, his dad or him uh, he could be accused of nepotism. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we're just very fortunate to have a man of his skill and ability uh, you know, he'd never done that job before. He was in a different job at City. You know, he, he'd worked with some of you know people at City, but he, he wasn't doing this job. Uh, so, you know, we're just very lucky to have him, I suppose, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, what, what do you what do you reckon, uh, Paddy? Is that uh, just purely on his record? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> let's let, let's just say, um, I it's a, an amazing coincidence, but in the, in the same token. Since he has came in the recruitment of the last, what would you say, season and a half has been pretty decent. When you look at the kind of players who that were brought in, um, I think with the, with the Japanese boys that have come in, Matt O'Reilly obviously came in when Nicholson was was at the helm. Um, the recruitment's actually been pretty decent. We don't, like Paul John said before before he left there, we don't see the likes of Marvin Compers and Malumbus anymore. We're starting to see like kind of really good footballers come through. Um, so I, I think um, 
sheer luck is what I would call it, John. Sheer <laughs> luck that he, he, but, we managed to nab him for the biggest clubs in Europe. Yeah, well, it wasn't it Lawrence, though, I think, the other day that pointed out the fact that, yes, I mean, these players might come good, but they're such... They are projects to a large degree. Of uh, course. So they might come good, but they're coming good far too late in the season. So, you know, they, they all have to bed in to a certain degree. So you're starting to see yeah. some of them coming through now. But the season, the European season's already over. You know, we need them in at the start of the year. We need either better quality or we need to not be selling everybody that's got a bit of potential or looks to have a decent season. But one way or another, we need to have a team in place at the start of the year that can compete in Europe. There's no point in having a cracking team that could have done well in Europe after the season, you know, basically the season's over. Um, although there is, I, I believe, a sequence of freak results that might actually end up in us finishing second in this group. <laughs> which way we'd need to uh, eat some humble pie here. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not averse to pies, as is clearly obvious. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> nice Listen. to see you back, Paul John. We were talking about you while you were away. I know. All good things. The, all good things. The audience increased as I left. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that says about me there. Uh, just a few wee points on starting songs at the games. Fair play to Big Red. I started, where's your treble gone at Hamden when Joe Miller scored the winner <laughs> and Big Shirley stole the shy. Um, Big Shirley that did was a stole the shy. Eh? It certainly was. Bob Valentine was the, the referee. It was his final ever game uh, in Scottish football. And we've also got the Pork Chop Express giving a big shout out to some of the old school regulars, um, FTB, Dan Breen, Red Scotland and Strange Love the Doctor. Hope you're all well, guys. Absolutely. Mark Yule comes in to say, you're spot on, John. Me and a friend started a song in the jungle years ago. No way I could do it nowadays unless several laggers had been downed. Think I'll leave it to the younger fans now. And the Urban Culture, um, just after the drink ban, I started a few at Tanadice as we drank our bucky. And for <laughs> the Celtic listeners all over the world, guys, we need to explain what is bucky. It's a fortified wine, isn't it? Um that used to be called cheap wine, but it's not that cheap, to be fair. You no, can get it's a lot expensive. Cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a, a wine of choice. I don't know if you partake in it was, it was a surprise to me, I have to say, when I first uh, started out in a very different industry. Uh, I, I started out, I was working in a couple of uh, uh, bars, sort of wine bars, and then my dad asked me to come and work with him. Uh, one of the places I went to work with him was in Coat Bridge, at the bottom of the street where he... Uh, was born and brought up, and uh, Buckfast was on the optics. <laughs> and I, uh, I was genuinely, I was so confused. I was like, "Is that Bucky? Where's Bucky doing?" <laughs> yes, that's how popular it is in Coatbridge. It was on the optics. Uh, uh, we went through tons of it as well. Am I right in saying, John, it's more popular in Coatbridge than anywhere else? Is that right? Any, I think anywhere else in the world, apart from possibly Lurgan. Uh, <laughs> over here, uh, both Coatbridge and Lurgan share some uh, demographic similarities, shall we say. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's certainly popular in a, in a couple of areas. Yeah. Uh, and to the point where I, I do believe in both Coatbridge and Lurgan, there has been letters written to Buckfast Abbey to ask them to uh, wind down production, uh, you know. But uh, I don't, I don't think the monks are coining it, and so they're not caring at all. They're quite happy. I remember doing doing my research, and the adverts back in the the kind of nineteen fifties and sixties, John, were very different in terms of the image of Buckfast. It was all about um, giving you a, a kind of well being. If you were feeling a little bit down in the dumps, you could take it for a wee boost. I wonder what was in that. Was it the caffeine? Uh, and obviously, you could buy it over the counter at a chemist as well. Unbelievable. But there you go. The the Buckfast tonic wine, infamous. Uh, just about everywhere in Scotland, to be fair. Just to point out a, a wee sort of demographic thing as well. Uh, old man had a, had a shop in Drumchapel, uh, and uh, strangely enough, Bucky was second best because it was LD that went out the door there, the old El Dorado. <laughs> uh, that was much more popular there. So just shows you every wee uh, area has their own poison. Absolutely, John. Ah, you're not joking. And when talking about... Uh, 
you know, teams of the past and what we've done in the last 20 years, etc. because uh, that was what was being referred to when Ian Bankier made that statement that has so riled me. John, there was a, an interesting little debate um, running in relation to who would beat who. Would Angie's team beat Martin O'Neill's team? Would it beat Brendan Rodgers' team? And you were sharing some of the graphics uh, in the chat group here. What was your take on it? Because these things are always difficult. They're always difficult, you know, comparing different eras um, styles of football and all this kind of stuff. But I do remember Martin O'Neill, when he was asked the question, uh, he backed his own team as he uh, is right to do. I think the biggest difference for me is if you look at a talisman, who was a talisman in O'Neill's team? Well, of course, it was Henrik Larson. Uh, but who was it in Brendan Rodgers' first tenure? Who is it during uh, Ange Postecoglou's time? Um, who is it now? And uh, it's all about quality and it's all about having a discussion. John, what was your take on it? Well, I'm very much of the opinion, what was it, wee Bertie used to say when he was asked about the, you know, would, would the Lions, you know, beat uh, the, the Rangers team of, you know, the, the, today and stuff like that. And he was like, well, we would die, but most of us are over 70 now. So <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm very much of that opinion. No, I, I saw that being put up and my response to that tweet was, you know, would this team of Angers beat Martin O'Neill's team? Was that, that's not a debate. That's the last words that you say uh, before you're sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Uh, so uh, it's not a debate. I, I mean, you're talking about, well, let's say uh, the, the, the team they were given, Angus team, so uh, Taylor Starfield, Carter Vickers, Johnson, Hart and Goal, obviously, McGregor, Hitati, O'Reilly, Jota, Kyogo, Abada, and you're up against uh, Douglas, which is the only weak point there, uh, Mialbi, Baldi, Valgarin, Balharin, sorry, uh, Agat, Lambert, Thompson, Lennon, Petrov, Larson and Sutton. Um, for me, it's not even close. Uh, I think the, you know, Angie's team would be lucky to get the ball. They'd be, they'd be punted about the place. Were they, the treble, were they looking at the treble winning sides, weren't they? They were looking at Brendan's treble winners, O'Neill's and Ange, I think. That was the yeah. three the three teams. Because I noticed Hartson's not in that, but obviously he came the season after, didn't he? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of that was in there the way where you think oh, it, ma- matching up a gap with Maeda doing that right hand side for, yeah. for, for pace and then Dembele up against Carter Vickers and then imagine Kyogo up against Baldi. I know, but th- this is the thing. Would, he, he wouldn't have a shoulder anymore, it would be missing. <laughs> the thing is, Paddy, uh, when you see the AI kicking in and you know now and then comes out by the Beatles and then a day later we get the Oasis version. I love all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for the AI to kick in with this and give us the, the real deal. This is who would win, who would score the goals and why? Because, as you say, there would be one-to-ones that would be won and lost and all oh, this. All oh, the right. data could get fed in and eventually we'll be getting the the true um, answer to these questions. And, of course, the Lisbon Lions would beat every single one of them, and that is a fact. <laughs> um, the football is back. Patrick McGilp, uh, talk me through the Celtic team you would start against Motherwell. They gave us a, a right good game at Fort Park. I thought during that match, Yang uh, was spooked in the first half. I mentioned that because the Motherwell fans got on his back. Um, he seems to have grown since then because similar treatment was given to him against Ross County. He was able to deal with it. Um, how do we line up against Mullerwell this weekend? I'd go largely the same team as Aberdeen. Obviously, Kyogo, I'm not sure um, how that will pan out. I don't know whether he's got a concussion, how long he'll be out, whether he's absolutely fine. I'm not sure what the what the story is. Um, but I would go the exact same team as Aberdeen. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any injuries at all. Um, but no, there was a worry uh, about Palmer, Hart. but apparently he's okay. He played last night, he's fine. He yeah, played right. full 90 minutes last night. <clears throat> yeah, oh, we've got the same team, and uh, I think they're not in the best run, it's putting it lightly. I think they're absolutely garbage at the moment, uh, which I'm always wary about. I'm always wary about a banana skin. Um, you know, they're going to win a game eventually. I hope it's not against us, but we really should be putting them away similar to what we did against Aberdeen because. Uh, they're not a good side at all. I don't think they've won a game since late September. So, uh, yeah, I would go exactly the same team. Um, you know, I'd start home again. I think he's a really good player. Yang as well. Um, both have shown great ability. Questions about their start and how young they are. But, you know, I think same 11 if Kiel goes fit and if not, just play O. What about that question around home then? 
do you think that's one of the, the dilemmas, John, uh, when picking the team at the weekend? Because obviously Turnbull, you know, there's big question marks around his future, uh, whether or not he's going to be... Um, Brennan Rogers said that the discussions are underway, whether or not he signs the deal, who knows. Um, but in a game against Motherwell, obviously his former club, um, who might, because of their poor form that Paddy, Patrick mentioned, might be playing their usual two blocks of four to stop us getting through. The likes of Turnbull is great for that type of thing to break through the defences, isn't it? He is, but then again, there's also the question of uh, why would we carry on playing a player who's going to be gone at the end of the season yeah. um, and not developing a young guy? Because we're constantly harping on about how, how are these guys ever going to get minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so home looks to have something about him. Where it's his, to me, you know, he's been he's been good. He's been decent. Uh, there's some nice bits of what he's done, but we need to see an awful lot more. Uh, Tumble is incredibly frustrating because he comes on and scores a goal from you know 25 yards, and then but the rest of his game hasn't been that great. Uh, I think you know. Uh, uh, Paddy raised a very controversial point uh, the, this morning because he he was a uh, Paddy multiple articles about how Mikey Johnson has been tearing up trees and how uh, Paddy supports him to get the starting lineup ahead of Palmer uh, and uh, you know sorry he's not reacting here at all sorry Paddy I'm just going to tell you he's no, waiting no, patiently I, 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 he is no, waiting patiently waiting. <laughs> uh, no uh, but. Um, I think there is, in fact, a chance. And it wasn't a starting place ahead of Palmer, it was ahead of you. No, no, I know, I know, Paris. <laughs> Looking, Looking for a bite. Looking for a bite. I'm only kidding. I'm trying to throw the Kim on, but... <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so Mikey Johnson's been tearing up trees against uh, the, the giants of uh, New Zealand and Gibraltar. Yeah. Uh, so he could uh, potentially do a job uh, against Motherwell and let uh, Palmer have a rest, because obviously he has had a pretty dramatic... You know, especially that last game was pretty dramatic and they played the full 90 minutes after having had a knock and being a doubt. So yeah, yeah, he might yeah. be very sore by the time he gets back. Um, and uh, Sore and not happy because they lost a game from, you know, which they could have qualified from. So there is a chance we might see Mikey Johnson because you have to ask, if he's not going to play in a game like this, when Palmer's obviously tired and a wee bit sore, what's he for? You know, literally, what's he for? Because if he doesn't play in this game, I don't see the point in having him around the place. Um, so, the, the, you know, he obviously is playing pretty well um, by a certain standard. You know, but let's be honest. I mean, you know, if, he, if he's doing well against New Zealand and Gibraltar, that's about motherable level. You know, so he's probably around about there. Um, so he should, that could be interesting to see if he does anything there. Other than that, you know, I mean, the easiest thing in the world for the manager to do is just say same again. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. a six now six now win, why would you disrupt a team for you know guys that just absolutely put Aberdeen to the sword six now? Why would you change that? So the easiest thing in the world for him to do is regardless if they come back, they say they're fit, they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but we've also got to manage them. You know, if you're managing them cleverly, you've got to manage them through these situations. And you know, Cal McGregor, you know. You know, someone was pointing out his heat map the other day covered more ground than anyone else. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see our. We don't want to take any risks at the same time. You know, so you can't really blame the manager. You don't want to take any risks. But I think if we get a couple up, you've got to get these guys off early. You know, really early, far earlier than you would. If you're a couple up after 25 minutes, it's unlikely that's going to be pulled back. Just get these guys on. Um, you know, give them some game time, see what they've got. Um, we could also, you know, if he doesn't fancy the winger situation, just change formation and play a you know big old Kyogo up front uh, and give uh, home and Tumble a run out in the midfield. Uh, I think it's interesting, John, know. that he's been he has definitely been bringing McGregor off, and I'm talking 10 15 minutes before the end of the game, but. It's with that in mind, isn't it? Just to give him uh, a wee bit of a, a break and a rest because of the amount of minutes he plays both for club and country. Um, two names that have come up, though, David Turnbull and Mikey Johnson. Paddy, I'll leave you with your last words because you were sitting there so patiently uh, when John was, was looking for a bite. Um, David Turnbull <laughs> and Mikey Johnson. We've been hearing in the last few days Kobayashi's on his way out. It's no big surprise. There's a few others who, who will follow him. But where do we stand with Turnbull and, and Johnson? What do you think the future holds? Is it at Celtic Park, Paddy? I can't. I, I can't see either. 
been at Celtic at the end of this season. Um, and it's and it's no. I mean, I've said in the show a few times that I'm a big fan of homegrown talent coming through. I love it when when a a player comes through and for the ranks or, or even a young Scottish player. But let's just say, for example, Mikey Johnson does get a start this weekend. It's it's not through merit. It's through necessity, and that's what we're saying to join the chat earlier on. It's not as if he's been ripping up trees in training because if he was, he'd get more than twenty five minutes this season against Hibs, from which. Brendan Rodgers also highlighted the fact that he made a mistake and gave away possession. Mm-hmm. So he never exactly kind of did anything special with 25 minutes out against Hibs. Um, as, as for David Tumble, again, he's another one that I would love to have seen make it at Celtic. But apart from his long-range shooting, he just doesn't have that, doesn't have really have anything else to add to the team. He doesn't have that incisive pass that I've seen. Um, doesn't have, I don't know, the energy in the midfield that's needed, uh, like the kind of energy Hatati's got, O'Reilly's got. Um, so I, I can't see any two of them being at Celtic at the end of the season. Um, it might be better for both, for both their international careers as well. Cause, I mean, let's not forget, Tumble was a Scottish internationalist when he joined Celtic. He's not had a sniff of the Scotland team for, well, um, I don't know, over well over a year and a half now. Um, so I think it'd be best if they both just moved on and, and hopefully they can get a club that's going to play them every week. Because that's what they need. They're not going to get that Celtic. They're just not good enough to compete with the the club. No, no. And I think there's been some really good examples of players going away elsewhere and, and really um, progressing. You know, some of the, the lads who have gone over to Italy, for example, I think Jack Kendry's been a great example of a player who no one batted an eyelid when he left the club. And he's gone on and, and created a career for himself elsewhere. These guys have got talent, Paddy. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing, the, the type of football that, that Brennan wants, the, the type of a midfield player that Brennan Rodgers wants in this team may not be David Turnbull. So hopefully uh, we will find a, a resolution over the next few weeks as to the futures of that type of player. Um, Motherwell this weekend, looking forward to it. And uh, obviously uh, we will find out before then what the situation is with the Green Brigade. The AGM will give us loads to discuss tomorrow, I'm sure. We'll be back as normal at 12.30. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section. And thank you to Paddy, Patrick and John for joining me once again on a Celtic state of mind. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.